Welcome to the Flight Deck, a leading edge podcast. I'm First Officer Dewey Duhadway, your host for this episode. I'm here with Captain Andy Riggs. Welcome, Andy. Can you tell us again, for those who might be joining us for the first time, a little bit about yourself, what you're flying here at United and what your history of volunteering with ALPA is? Sure, Joey. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, Captain Andy Riggs, I'm Houston 756 Captain. I've been at United almost 17 years and been doing ALPA volunteer work for uh, about 16 of those 17 years. I uh, joined the negotiating committee back in April as a vice chair. Prior to that, I was on the system scheduling committee uh, working in the actual operation uh, on the crew desk in flight time, duty time, and fatigue risk management and uh, FAR 117 areas. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your work on the negotiating committee, and I know that your experience as a volunteer throughout the years has served you and the pilot group very well. So today's topic has to do with sick leave. This is Section 13 in our in our United Pilot Agreement, uh, current and whatever it may be going forward. Before we get into any of the details of, of what's in the tentative agreement language that we expect to see soon, can you give us some background about just sick leave in general? What do the data tell us about United Pilots' use of sick leave? Yeah, so with the data, um, we do need to do need to be careful because it's proprietary, and and uh, as we compare ourselves in the industry, uh, it's confidential. But anytime we approach an item that we're looking to make improvement, and it has a dollar amount associated with it, we need to do our due diligence and see what our pilots are doing and what they need um, to make sure that we are being effective at the negotiating table as far as obtaining things that matter to our pilots. So sick leave, for example, we can we can pull the data and see the average sick leave use per pilot per year. Uh, we can look at that in different demographics. We can choose to uh, filter that data for a pilot, for example, who has a catastrophic illness, uh, who is transitioning to LTD. Obviously that pilot is going to be burning through a, a, an inordinate amount of sick leave as they transition LTD versus a pilot who traditionally calls in sick for two, three, four trips a year. Also, we're able to analyze the data uh, pre-pandemic uh, because in the past, what, what may have been a cough or attributed to seasonal allergies today would cause a pilot to call in sick for their trip, and rightfully so. As, as we're post-pandemic, uh, pilots have a heightened awareness of their fitness for duty and their responsibility to keep themselves and their fellow crew members and passengers safe. So. We look at all that information and we see what is the average United pilot utilized as far as sick leave a year. And we look to address and improve that, understanding that there will always be the outlier from the pilot who hasn't called in sick in a decade to the pilot who uh, calls in sick uh, much more frequently. So that's that's good to know. I think there are, we've mentioned and talked about in other podcasts that uh, a lot of our pilots tend to actually increase their uh, sick leave balance over over time. So, in other words, they're uh, in a in a positive state. Uh, would that be? Is it fair to say that's the majority of the pilot group that most people wind up with a larger sick leave balance at the end of the year than they start? Yes, that's that's an accurate statement. The the average United pilot or the majority of United pilots uh, end the year with more sick leave balance than they began, and so that would that would indicate that they're uh, the number of hours utilized in sick each year is less than the number of hours accrued. I appreciate also, though, that you mentioned the pandemic, and I think there that is a, a an impact on our, our pilot group. So I'm aware that there is a, a change in the agreement in principle in terms of sick leave accrual. So can you talk a little bit about 
what does UPA 23 have for a sick leave accrual? And can you address some of the reaccrual or the rapid accrual scenarios for those that use a lot of their sick leave? Sure. So in the UPA 23 uh, TA, what we were able to achieve was an additional hour of sick leave accrual a bid period. So that goes from five hours of sick leave a month to six hours of sick leave a month. Obviously, we uh, we attempted to obtain more than that at the negotiating table, um, but six was the the highest amount that we could walk away from the table with. Uh, as far as rapid reaccrual, uh, during the current UPA, uh, a pilot would need to burn through 255 hours of sick leave before they could trigger rapid reaccrual. Unfortunately, 70% of the pilots on our seniority list today don't have 255 hours in their sick bank, and that may be due to their amount of time on property or the amount of, of sick leave that they burned through uh, during the course of their career. So 70% of our pilots today wouldn't wouldn't qualify for rapid recruit. Uh, the rapid recruit trigger is reduced now to 170 hours. So from 255 down to 170. And also that's the amount of sick leave needed to bridge to LTD. That, that reflects the LTD uh, trigger from 90 days, the waiting period from 90 days down to 60 days. And the rapid reaccrual is seven hours a month instead of uh, the regular reaccrual rate of, of five today or six going forward. So that's helpful. I think that for for those who find themselves in that scenario, those are significant differences that would impact them. And I would encourage everybody who's listening to this, if you haven't listened to the podcast about the extended sick bank, we're not going to address any of those details necessarily here, but you did touch on it. I think it's worth for worth it for all of our pilots who are interested and they need to, as they get educated about deciding whether or not, or how they're gonna vote about the TA, that's an important feature. But we're gonna to stick to just normal, if you will, sick leave for, for the purpose of this, this podcast today. There are some uh, features about sick leave uh, restoration, I guess, that uh, were different, I believe, that was laid out in the, in the UPA 23 document. Can you address some of that in terms of the, the bid periods in which those uh, makeups are are enabled now? Sure. Um, in, in conjunction with what we do at the negotiating table, we're, we're accountable to the MEC, and the MEC receives frequent updates from us, and that's our opportunity to gain direction from them as far as how we proceed at the table. And, and one of the things that we benefit from when we, when we meet with the MEC is their input and their ideas. We go from a committee of three people uh, taking input from a, a small group of SMEs to going to the MEC where today there are 30 plus uh, voting reps, officers and SMEs in attendance. And one of the ideas, one of the issues that came up was from our reps who are global pilots, pilots who are flying a four day trip or 30 plus hours, for example. And they're concerned with, with a sick leave accrual of five or six hours a month was one sick call for a 30-hour deli trip wipes out six months of your sick leave accrual. And that's that's different than what our basic pilots face when they call in sick for that same four-day trip that pays 20 or 21 hours. So one of the things that they brought up was the ability to do sick leave makeup today is limited to the bid period in which you call in sick. So if you call in sick for your last trip of the month, that deli trip, you have no ability to make up that sick if you so choose. Now, sick leave makeup historically is fairly low. Most of our pilots don't participate in sick leave makeup, but that's partly due to the restrictions of that sick leave makeup occurring in the current bid period. So we were able to achieve at the table sick leave makeup 
being done in the current or subsequent bid period. So if you call in sick in June and you don't have additional time during the bid period or headroom due to FAR 117 or MDO to pick up another trip and you wish to do sick leave makeup, you will now be able to do that sick leave makeup in the, in the month of July as well, if you so choose. Okay, so that's helpful to know. You touched a little bit about on uh, on global reserve and the uh, or at least global pilots, and I know there's something in UPA 23 having to do with uh, someone who's on reserve who's a global pilot uh, being able to uh, make themselves unavailable uh, for I believe it's four times in a 12 month period. Can you expand on that a little bit and, and describe kind of that uh, that feature of of UPA 23? Yeah, so for a global pilot, obviously you have fewer uh, hard days off. And one of the issues with that is the ability to uh, make appointments, um, to make your schedule work around uh, the restrictions out there in the medical community and in traditional workers who don't work nights, weekends, holidays. So this acknowledges that fact that you may be unable to schedule something that far out due to the way our, our airline runs, our airline schedules work. This gives a pilot the ability to uh, block that day and still be able to attend that appointment. All right, so Andy, you mentioned that there are there is a need for people who are on reserve to be able to block time for uh, appointments, and that's somewhat difficult in the in the current UPA. Right. Yeah. So today, in the current UPA, uh, a pilot has the ability to use sick leave if they need to make an appointment that cannot otherwise be scheduled around their weekend. So for example, a medical specialist who doesn't maintain office hours that work with the pilot schedule, you're, you're permitted to use sick leave for that. Going forward, what we negotiated was, for example, a global pilot uh, who has six ACOs and six RDOs going forward, they are able to, up to four times in a rolling 12 month bid period, mark themselves as unavailable during a period of RDOs in order to make a medical appointment. So you you might schedule this medical appointment even before your schedule comes out. So if you're on a, a day of work, you can call in sick for that day of work and make the appointment. Or if you're on days off and there are RDOs, you can mark yourself as unavailable to have those RDOs disrupted in order to attend that medical appointment. Now there is a provision in the contract, and this was negotiated as part of TA1, that a pilot who uh, calls in sick for a reserve day that's in the middle of a block, that the company can choose to mark them sick for the remainder of that block or for the days forward in that block in order for them to attend that appointment, since they may not be usable, especially our global pilots may not be usable if you call in sick in the middle of a, a five-day block, for example. There's no requirement that you pre, pre-call in sick for an appointment. If you uh, choose to sit reserve and then if a trip is assigned to you that disrupts that appointment, then you can utilize sick leave if you need to, or you may not be used at all, and you may be able to attend your appointment and still fulfill your reserve obligation. So it's really up to the pilot at that point how they want to approach that obligation to ensure that they're at their appointment. Okay. You had mentioned earlier about the pandemic, and there were there was direction given by the company to you know, if you tested positive or had a family member test positive, you are in for whatever reason, the company told you to stay home. And there are 
Uh, I believe addition, you know, the UPA 23 addresses that potential scenario as well. Can you talk about that? And can you talk about the need for a, a doctor's note in some of these scenarios? Sure. So uh, during the early days of the pandemic, especially, uh, the guidance was was very fluid and ever changing as the CDC and various organizations gave us direction on how to proceed. So uh, one of the first things that came out was that we needed to avoid coming to work if anyone in your proximity was exhibiting symptoms or sick. So while the pilot may have been fit for duty, fit to fly, no positive tests, someone in their direct household or somebody they came in contact with was sick, the company directed them to remain at home. Since we don't know what's on the horizon uh, and hopefully we don't experience another pandemic in our lifetimes, uh, we did obtain language in the contract that says if you are if you are fit to fly and you were otherwise able to uh, perform for for your medical certificate and the company tells you to remain at home because of something that you've been exposed to or out of an abundance of caution or whatever that you will be pay protected you will stay at home and you will not have sickly debited no that's great and the um Current UPA addresses the need for a a doctor's note in scenarios where I, I believe if it, it varies depending on whether or not you're a line holder or, or on reserve. Is that still a requirement in the UPA 23 for for the these this or any other type of uh, of sick leave usage? Yes, I think you're you're likely referring to the doctor's note requirement for uh, an LPA above 92 hours and above MPG for reserves. What that's really uh, referring to is the trip that takes you above 92 hours or MPG as a reserve, if you call in sick for that trip, that the company can require a doctor's note. That that provision has been eliminated uh, going forward. Okay. All right. Thank you for the, the clarity on that. And uh, yeah. along the the lines of uh, on the job injuries as well, are there, uh, in terms of uh, if you are, are noted as injured at work, and and you have that documented OJI event. Are you how has the current contract addressed that scenario, and what does UPA 23 address that in terms of sick leave accrual? Yeah, so the current contract, uh, if we have an on-the-job injury, that uh, comes out of your sick bank, and until you exhaust your sick bank going forward, that and and normal reaccrual back up to whatever balance you had uh, going forward. Uh, we obtain language that says if you have an OJI event that exceeds 40 hours of sick leave use, that you're going to have rapid reaccrual to get back up to uh, your sick leave balance where it was before. And then for a pilot who is is has an OJI event and has exhausted uh, their sick leave and their ESB, that the company will pay protect the pilot for the first 90 days while they transition to LTD. Okay, so that's helpful. That's a, a difference then again that we wanted to, to highlight. So two other topics before we, we let you go. I wanted to ask about KinCare and the, uh, I know that at least in the state of California, possibly uh, others that are either considering that, that type of, of legislation. Can you talk a little bit about KinCare and then we'll talk, uh, our, our last question will have to do with a, uh, uh, addressing the, the 95 hour uh, limit that was uh, mentioned in some of the documentation. But let's start with with KinCare. Can you kind of op- explain what the the UPA 23 uh, describes with regard to KinCare? Yeah, so the state of California started this off uh, several years ago 
for employees that were based in the state of California, the ability to utilize, they codified the ability for an employee to utilize their own sick leave to care for a sick family member. Um, so this was definitely a benefit for our pilots based in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Uh, Colorado recently adopted legislation similar, and I believe the state of Illinois has as well. So this is a trend that's, that's moving across the country. Um, but it only benefits the pilots that live and are based in, in those states. So going forward, we were able to get out kind of ahead of this and, and one of our tenants as a union to make sure that our pilots are, are treated fairly and equally was to obtain kin care for all of our pilots, regardless of where you live or where you're based. So it's patterned after uh, the California example uh, loosely. Now, obviously a state can change their regulations and that's not going to change our, our contractual language. Uh, but the ability for a pilot to use up to 30 hours annually to care for uh, a family member, and then you can uh, submit a doctor's note to justify that. And there's no absence monitoring that goes along with that or anything like that. That's a that's a significant change. So I appreciate you describing that. The other uh, the mention, as I mentioned or alluded to earlier, there's a mention in the AIP language concerning uh, a sick leave pay limit of 95 hours. Now, I know that there's probably a lot of features and scenarios that will go around this, and I think what, what we'll do is try to capture some scenarios that we can attach as an, uh, a, a note at the end of the podcast. So if you look in the, the notes for the podcast, you should be able to download some language regarding this and certainly we want pilots to attend the road shows and submit their pdrs to the fact team with regard to any particular details about this because i know this one can be kind of a complicated issue but can you talk a little bit about this 95 hour limit with regard to to sick leave and how that might be applied maybe even give us a scenario if you've got a if you've got one sure yeah so uh unfortunately we were as i alluded to we we're unable to obtain uh, an accrual increase more than one hour of increased accrual per bid period. And with that increased hour of accrual came came with some strings attached. Uh, we were able to negotiate many of these strings away, but at the end of the day, uh, what remained was the cap of 95 hours for a pilot who utilizes sick leave in the bid period. Now it's, it's a little more than, uh, a little more detailed than just a hard cap of 95 hours. As far as what's included in it so essentially if a pilot calls in sick uh, today a line holder is paid the greater of their ptc or lpv plus their ad pay um today also mpg is included in that but going forward mpg is eliminated under the contract so we would say that a line holders paid the greater of ptc or lpv plus their ad pay so when a pilot calls in sick the ptc and lpv whatever is greater plus the ad pay associated with senior man, PPU, or vacation is capped at 95 hours until their sick leave debit is reduced to zero on an hour per hour basis. So other ad pays that I did not cover in there are not capped. For example, overtime pay for getting back late uh, from your trip, middle seat deadhead pay, CQDL pay, post, uh, post PBS training pay that's added onto there. So the, the trend that you see there is the vast majority of those ad pays are not something that a pilot can can elect or force. That's something that will happen naturally to them out in the operation. And we argued strongly that it's not right to penalize a pilot who gets reassigned and then not see the benefit from uh, the increase of that reassignment. So once the sick leave debit is reduced to zero, 
any additional PTC or LPV can be earned above the cap and is combined with all those other ad pays that I named, the overtime ad pay, the middle seat deadhead pay, all those for the pilot's total pay in the bid period. I'll walk through the example, and I think we're going to attach this to the podcast somehow uh, for pilots to read it and make it a little bit more readable. This example is admittedly uh, a little complex, but it's meant to cover uh, a pilot's bid period with several examples of those things happening above. It's important to note that our pay is uh, accounted at the end of the bid period. So while individual decisions or things may happen to the pilot throughout the bid period, their final pay is accounted after all of those things happen. Now as pilots, we tend to go through the bid period and take a real-time accounting of our pay, and for good reason, because things that, decisions that we make throughout the bid period, whether to trade a trip, drop a trip, uh, we wanna know the impact of that on our end pay. So I'm gonna walk through this. Uh, with, I'm gonna walk through this example, taking a real-time accounting with the understanding that how this will be handled uh, by crew pay is at the end of the bid period. So let's start. A pilot has 90 hours of PTC LPV and 15 hours of PPU. So that's a total pay of 105 hours in the bid period. If the pilot calls in sick for a non-PPU 20-hour trip, that pilot is now limited to 95 hours of pay, and that's the PTC LPV plus the senior man PPU and vacation. That's the 95-hour cap for them until their sick leave debit of 20 hours is reduced to zero. So what this means is the sick leave will be charged 10 hours. That's the difference between 105 hours of pay that they were going to get and the 95 hour cap, bringing the total sick leave debit to 10 hours. If that pilot is subsequently reassigned, resulting in eight hours of overtime pay, that pilot will then be paid 103 hours. That's the overtime ad pay on top of the cap, the 95 hour cap that they have and they'll continue to have 10 hours of sick leave debited from their sick bank. If that pilot later picks up a trip worth 1545, the pilot will be paid 108 hours and 45 minutes and have zero sick leave debited with the remainder of the trip value dedicated to sick leave makeup. Since the remaining debit of 10 hours of sick must be satisfied, this leaves five hours and 45 minutes to increase the total pay. Since the sick leave debit has been reduced to zero at this point, the pilot will realize the full value of any additional pickup to include senior man or PPU. So that's how the, the 95 hour cap functions. You are definitely able to earn more than 95 hours of pay in the bid period. The caveat is that any sick leave uh, debited must be credited back to your sick bank. It's, it's kind of a forced thickly make up before you can realize earnings above 95 hours plus your ad pay. All right. That's that's very helpful. And again, for those of you who are listening, we're going to include this as an attachment. So if you look at the show notes, we'll find a way to make this available to you. We'll have other ways you can get scenarios like this at the UPA23.com website. Certainly you want to send in your PDRs to your fact team as we get closer. And if you can at all, please attend the roadshows that are, uh, or you can attend the uh, virtual town hall that will, everybody will be available or made available to to everyone. We're trying to make sure that we get these kind of resources to ask the tough questions of, of the people who are the experts here. So 
I, I so appreciate your time, Andy, on this. Is there anything else you that you feel like we haven't addressed? No, I think I think that covers the uh, the changes and the methodology associated with them. That's great. Well, uh, again, this has been very inform informative. I know this is going to help our pilots make the best decision that they can make when it comes time to consider the tentative agreement. So for everyone, thank you for joining us on the Flight Deck, a leading edge podcast. You can help us out by sharing these podcasts with other United pilots and by leaving a review. Look for more of these podcasts in the near future, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.